The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Jay and Joe of the Pleasure Report. Yeah, I mean, it comes out of, I mean, we're, we're kind of relationship geeks, I would say. Um, this has started from 10 years ago when our kids were little and our relationship was in crisis. Um, you know, I had had an affair. We were struggling. Are we going to stay together? There was a lot of those questions dealing with young kids. And our answer ultimately ended up being, um, let's try everything. Let's put everything into this, whether it is, you know, sort of traditional therapy to plant medicine, to workshops, to, um, and I think that spirit out of all the things we got from that period of time, the spirit of adventure and sort of um, don't be afraid to try different things is maybe the most lasting lesson we got from that. And, um, and also really the lesson of choosing again, choosing a relationship over again. I met Jay through my wanders on Facebook because I'm always investigating women at an older stage and, and always wondering especially finding pleasure this is true i like wandering and even on facebook i find incredible people so you're in for a treat with jay and joe and they are also doing their own work as almost open nesters and with their new work with relationship tripping and the pleasure reports let's hear it from jay and joe Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Jay and Joe of and Jay of the Pleasure Report, uh, and a couple of I will we will hear how many years of recent Open Nesters. I've been looking forward to meeting you for quite a while. So welcome, welcome, thank you. Thank you. So let's start with the basics of where what what brought you to where you are today, as you know personally as parents. If you can each give a little bit of both of your sides to what. Maybe not the whole marriage and romance story, but where you are at this stage of your lives, and then we'll take it from there. You start, Joe. I start. Well, I mean, uh, so our just the status report is that our we are sort of on the cusp of uh, of um, these little chickens leaving the nest. Um, we've got one who just graduated high school, and another one who's a year away. So we're kind of like we're kind of peeking out the door of like having our two kids um, gone. And, but it, you know, it, it, as anyone with teenagers knows, it's a kind of a gradual process. They kind of leave before they leave. So that's sort of where we're at right now. And um, it's yeah. feeling both the melancholy and the joy of, um, of what's going to come around in the next couple of years. Trying to get a few minutes with them every now and then. Yeah. It's certainly a double-edged sword. There's no question. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't, I mean, that where you're just talking about the empty open nest version of it, but we like to call it open because our youngest son is still home and we welcome our kids in and out and, and we keep our nest open. Yeah. So we don't have the, a feeling of emptying things. I mean, empty in a, in a sacred space is also creating more space, but many people don't use that in this, in that spiritual context. Right? So I truly appreciate that. And I hope that this the idea of open nesting catches on. It is, I know it's not a stark and then they're gone and then you're left bereft. And we are right now we're, um, we're on Cape Cod. We've been coming here. Joe and I have been coming here since um, before since we were met. married, we got married here. So how many and, years are you married? Um, we've been married for 21 years. 
And we've been coming here for 25 years. I was coming here even before you. So we've been renting this little cottage and we just bought it last year. And so this, I feel like we bought our history and we bought the space Mm. where we gather as a family. I feel like every summer it's, we get to be like mark the passing of time and have our rituals. We have a a Sunday night bonfire that we've been holding this bonfire for 14 years and like place where like you do the same thing every year um, of of your childhood. And so it's, so here we are and we're creating. We just bought our nest basically. (laughs) And we're trying to, and just to continue with your spirit, I mean, we are trying to keep it as open as possible because the whole point of it really is to have them come back again and again, every summer here. And bring their friends and then bring their kids or whoever they're with, like to make this their own space. So we're creating a family compound here. What a beautiful vision. And I, I've heard, I've read a little bit of a lot on your Facebook page, Jay, about posts about rituals. And, and I do believe that that ritual and the, and obviously the fire, like we did as families and, and communities for many years is such a beautiful history, present moment of being able to be present with that fire as well as to look to the future of what what it can bring in. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at rituals and I think you were talking about that when your kids were going off. So what kind of what kind of rituals do you think you've developed around that fireplace? I think just starting with that specific would be really lovely. Around well, that fire pit bonfire. I, I love your question because I feel like that is actually one of the coolest things about parenting that people don't always talk about. It's like it gives you this blank slate to create rituals because <laughs> they don't know. They don't know what's hasn't happened before they were born and hasn't gone on for generations or what has. So you give it to them and they can feel how it can feel like something that has always been. And I've only really kind of been thinking about that lately as they're about ready to fledge that like, Oh my God, another year to create whatever rituals we want. (laughs) So it kind of feels like a really kind of empowering thing to say, what rituals do we want to send them off with? Um, The weekly bonfire is a big one. Well, Mm -hmm. something that they will come back to. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And when we've already heard from other kids who have come up through the bonfire, how much it's like one one um, friend of our daughters wrote her college essay about it. Another mm-hmm. one has become a singer songwriter in part because we sing these songs every week and the kids will bring in their songs and we've like merged this playlist now and some classics, some new ones all the time. So it's so we actually do Shabbat and I think any kind of ritual that the kids can then get expand and make their own and is, is is and be engaged in and, and our kids have been because we've brought music into it and we've brought their own creative spirit into mm. that and then that they can do that on that's a Friday night Jewish ritual for those of you who don't know on Friday night and then and then rituals in general the fact that they can be so they have like this just magical power have it they do and we don't know how to how to we don't have to contain it we just need to open it and so i I love that you've done that and i just wanted to point that out by the way not too many couples really or parents do that kind of uh ritual to kind almost like uh have the kids inherit from you Uh, Mm -hmm. so we have not seen that too many well it takes discipline i really honor that you are doing shabbat and i and i wish i if i could go back and change some things i would be like no we're doing shabbat and because there's a point at which you can't introduce shabbat to high school kids we're like you're not taking my friday away like you can't and we had our i loved 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 um the bat mitzvah and it's exactly the right time when the 
child is 13 to be witnessed by community, to like look out and see who your community is and to be celebrated as an individual and to work really hard at something. There's everything about that ritual. I just thought like spot on. And, um, and we've had friends who are like, we're going to make something up at that time. And it's just, it's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of effort and resources and it's hard to make something up. But I just planted some trees and like little saplings. I'm like, yeah, well you start the tree really little and then you nurture it and then it becomes something. You know, there's a Chinese proverb that says, when is the best time to plant a tree? And the answer is 30 years ago. And, <laughs> and then the question is, when is the second best time to plant a tree? And it's today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, wherever you start, it's, it's okay. It's Whatever exactly it is that you do. Yeah. Uh, our, our ritual with, with, with Shabbat was, uh, really came from my ritual with my family, which I brought into our family. And <clears throat> the kids don't know anything else but Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Since they were day one, I mean, they would sit in, 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 their, in their stroller or whatever it is, and you know, they, were, they were there. So it, it does take discipline, and it does take... And community. Uh, like, I've noticed how you have community that you've built around it, and it's never just... I, I mean, it becomes fun when it's community that is open, that you're bringing in new people, that you're welcoming the yeah. fact that their creative energy can help make and create that ritual. So we were able, they, they helped us do that with their friends, with our friends that emerged that were very musical and did chants. And so they ended up being like little puppies on the couch every Friday night. Like we had like a Shabbat group. They would just like hang out and just feel like they had that. So it's not something easy. You're right. There's discipline involved because we, it was an important value for us. And it's interesting on this whole eight, how many episodes we've done, 80 something, we've never talked about our Shabbat. So thank you. Thank you for letting exactly. us think about that. Well, it's, you know, Judaism has a lot of, it's so good for it with ritual. And in our family, Jay isn't, didn't grow up Jewish, but she's sort of the most, you're the most Jewish. I, I'm, tradition, I'm a tradition. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in a way, my Judaism and your kind of like love of that kind of ritual has, has informed some of our rituals, but yeah, I think we both wish we had been a little more serious about Shabbat over the years. Well, what lends itself to the open nesting stage is that when the kids come home, they know they're going to be Shabbat. And when they're going to come to your college cottage, they know they're going to be a bonfire. So they're going to kind of expect that from the openness and allowing them to enter that again it is really what we enjoy the most, where we know that uh, our daughter will come all of a sudden for Shabbat unexpectedly, or when you know that uh, your children will plan to be at your cottage at a certain time. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and it's part of uh, really the open nesting. I have a question for you two. I'm wondering, talking about rituals, like what sort of rituals, how, how easy is it to still create ritual after they're gone? You know, it's easy when they're little kids. Can we? Still- you know what? We 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 still do it. We we do other things sometimes, but we always like do our little ceremony of our candles and some songs. I always like candles because candles for me is also that the more light, you know, light's not diminished by the more we spread the light. So I kind of have that as a focus well, for the woman. And we always and, and Tessa, I have to give her a lot of credit. Uh, she created for us uh, a Wow Wednesday. It is, uh, doesn't have to be a special going out or whatever that is, but it's time that we uh, stop the clock, stop everything else, and we take time for ourselves. For each other, to know tech kind of thing. So that was a ritual that we have created after really the kids have have left the house. 
And, you know, sometimes I looked at it and honestly, in Tessa knows, I poo-pooed it. I said, what are you talking about? Wow, Wednesday. And then I started really valuing it, uh, you know, with the med rush of, uh, of our daily uh, fast lane lives. And all of a sudden we have this Wednesday where we can uh, stop. And uh, it's like a mini break during the week. Mm-hmm. So how easy, how easy it is to create a ritual after daily? It's as easy or as hard it is to is creating it when they are around. It mm-hmm. still takes the discipline and takes the desire. And also there are times that you can't have it. And you have to accept that too. Well, when I, you go I, through busy times and yeah. So as I'm listening uh, with Tessa to this episode and we are editing it, I really have to insert a disclaimer here, so to speak, uh, in the post-edit, post-interview, that I really need to take responsibility for the fact that I have not been so available uh, due to many circumstances, uh, shoulder injury, uh, busy at work, uh, and many other really excuses, so to speak. Uh, I was not available to do the Wild Wednesday, and it's something that we I really need to put some more effort and more intention to, because it's truly, truly bonding, Tessa and I, and it's truly a ritual that uh, overall we are both missing this ritual. I have tried to create one ritual that is related to what we're talking about, and it have failed um, over the years. We try, we try to do screen Shabbat or internet Shabbat. And just like, you know, no internet for a, for a period of time and, oh, yeah. and keep trying to do that. It's just <laughs> so hard. <laughs> well, we tried to leave our phones in the kitchen on Friday night. And I have to admit, she doesn't know. I sneak out in the middle of the night and kind of check it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's very difficult. It's uh, difficult to create those religions. Where in Cape Cod are you? We're in Wellfleet. Which is, we don't know Cape Cod that well. So the, the Cape looks like a bicep being flexed and so Wellfleet is in the wrist i see so it's this really and it's also part of the national seashore so it's really protected and there's these beautiful ponds where there's, are we gonna be we're gonna be we're going for two days with the kids to born which is not quite Cape Cod, so born close. Close. It's, yeah oh, it's it's close. Cape Cod, just, just sort of the other end so rituals are a good way for us to make this transition into relationship rituals because you guys are helping with something called relationship tripping. And I love, I would love to hear how you even came up with this idea and how you're working with couples on this and, and how that whole thing is working for you, for yourselves first, and then the example to others. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. I mean, it comes out of, I mean, we're, we're kind of relationship geeks, I would say. Um, this has started from 10 years ago when our kids were little and our relationship was in crisis. Um, you know, I had had an affair. We were struggling. Are we going to stay together? There was a lot of those questions dealing with young kids. And our answer ultimately ended up being, um, let's try everything. Let's put everything in this, whether it is, you know, sort of traditional therapy to plant medicine, to workshops, to, um, and I think that spirit out of all the things we got from that period of time, the spirit of adventure and sort of um, don't be afraid to try different things is maybe the most lasting lesson we got from that. And, um, and also really the lesson of choosing again, choosing a relationship over again. Um, so that was kind of the origin story of this new chapter of our relationship, I'd say. And then from that, we just became so interested in just the idea of relating and relationships and connection and what does it mean and what can we do with this, like the lab of a relationship. It's so, you know, what, what do we want to do with that? 
that we ended up starting to kind of coach other couples and kind of build community around um, other long-term relationships that are have gone through, whether it's struggles or joys, or just trying to figure out how to make this all work. And is it all just about the, when you gather, is it all just about the discussion of how to make it work? Or do you actually try things together? Like, what does it actually look like as far as the embodied part or whether you do plant medicine? I mean, I'm, I'm curious about the details here. I'll, I'll just quickly jump in and say that yeah. the, the tripping part isn't literal. So <laughs> I, I, I didn't think it necessarily was. <laughs> the spirit of the tripping rather than the actual uh, uh, drug or medicine, but, but. Go yeah. on. So Go we on. meet in community. It's a Zoom. It's a two-hour Zoom um, session. We've been meeting for six weeks in a row and building a lot of connection between couples. And so part of it is um, trying at practice. We like introduce some uh, like a theory, like perhaps like victim triangle. We'll talk about that. Um, what is that? That's awesome. Um, this is really beautiful work by Lynn Forrest. And it's um, her, her belief is that every dysfunctional interaction can be mapped to this victim triangle where people are playing out either victim or rescuer or perpetrator. And we have a default setting where we kind of gravitate to one of one or the other. And when you notice where you are, you can just call yourself out on it. And you can start to change your, the way you engage and you can also help you disengage. So we would like maybe introduce that theory and then do some practices um, to really ground that in the body. So there's the, like couples would break out, have breakout rooms and they go do their work together and then we'll come back and talk about it. So, so give us an example yeah. of, uh, of that, uh, uh, the, vic- the victim triangle. That you're talking about, or even your own example, your if own you'd example. like, right? So, so I mean, we can get personal. Uh, how, how would one identify as a victim? What would be their role in certain situation? The preparator, the, the predator, predator, and the rescuer. When I start whining and feeling really resentful, I'm probably in my victim, as opposed <laughs> to the other, the mirror of that, the creator triangle. It's just you know, partly it's just like generally I'd say like, can you identify when you're feeling like a victim or a creator of your own life? That's sort of like the, the fundamental principle of it. But it sounds like if you're whining, you sound like you're more of a predator. A, no? Not a predator. It's a perpetrator. A perpetrator. Perpetrator. A perpetrator is the one that, that is the bully. The victim yeah. is the person yeah. that feels like a victim. Mm-hmm. And the rescuer is somebody who always wants to heal and help everybody. Yeah. Wants everybody to feel good. Just stop fighting. What, what, right. Yeah. Like soothe it over. And we have all of those in ourselves, of course. Right. And, so, and often the victim goes between perpetrator and victim. I mean, you're moving around all the time. But so the 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 so that's the shadow side, and then the light side would be creator, um, coach, or and challenger. So the, each one has a you know the the dual sides of it. So in that one, I think there are. I can't remember offhand what we did for the embodied exercise. Um, it led to a very robust conversation. But some of the exercises that we have done, um, we always um, teach what we call a drop-in, which is just a, a connection, like an embodied connection practice. In fact, we did one just before we got on this call. Because we is- actually weren't getting along that well. Right before the call. <laughs> <laughs> um, so set a timer. And for five minutes, we would breathe together, maybe eye gaze. We are big fans of the third eye gaze, which is touching foreheads and just relaxing into the expansiveness of each other or hand on heart. Um, 
so we always do these practices and really encourage couples to introduce these drop-ins into their daily habits. Just to so, have do you, so daily, do, do you guys have a, a ritual or practice that you do something daily? We do something before we get out of bed. Every wow. morning. And it can be like three minutes. Um, so it's just a short connection. I mean, the, the drop-in, it can be whatever you want. I think that the idea is just, I mean, I, you know, I look back and I feel like um, there was a period in our relationship where for me, sex was the only way where I could feel like, oh, we are connected. I feel safe. I feel loved. You know, there was sort of one version of that. And now to be able to find like a five minute version where somehow deep in my system, I can be like, oh, you are my, you mean well for me. We are friends here. We are not enemies. We, you know, you can just kind of reset your energy in some way. I can, love uh, this. This is, I think this is, this is invaluable stuff for open nesters because they have time now. They can focus on their choices like you were talking about. And they need it more than any time in their life because now they need to focus on each other because right. the main focus of children have gone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you've gotten that far, you are now at the Explore More section of our podcast. Where you can look up under our resources page. We want to point you to the amazing articles and podcasts that relate to the things we've learned as open nesters. We sure did. Right. And we also have a new website page, which is the library page under the Listen tab. And you can see all of our episodes chronologically listed nicely, beautifully, all in one area. Absolutely. So this particular episode calls up a few different topics that you can go back to in our episodes and see. Recently, our episode 76 is with a whole family or part of a Russell family, a mom and her two kids. Incredible. Called Calling in Love and How They Make Legacies, similar to rituals in a different way. Episode 74 with Tammy and Josh, who talk about different kinds of relationships. We are, you know, pushing our limits by coming out of the box. I really like that one. That's about, yeah, relationship anarchy. And the other one is back on episode 46, where you can hear from the absolute expert of pleasure, Pamela Madsen. Uh, That is called Rock Your Erotic Boat. Some episode, I'm telling you. Yeah, to go, to go back to where we were, um, you know, kind of pre-affair and like after as we were kind of digging our way out of it, I used to be kind of scared when Joe was like hinting that he wanted to like connect because I'm like, oh, I, that means sex and that means where it's like getting on the train and, and, um, and just ha- like knowing that we have all these other ways to connect that are physical connections has created so much space for us and play. And we really, we really solidified this during the pandemic when we did have a lot of time together. And we also, we live in this tiny apartment in New York, our kid, like there's no privacy. So we really have um, spent a lot of time, like time sharing it, they go to school. And so we've had morning dates where we connect. So we've just built that into our calendar. Um, into our into our days of knowing like you guys have your wow Wednesday we have a we have standing dates Um, but during the pandemic we had lots of space we had lots of time and we started doing our lab experiments of setting the timer for five minutes and then 15 minutes and let's like we would do like an hour of practice Jay always says that her favorite sex toy is the timer (laughs) we're doing this we're going to try this for a certain amount of time (laughs) 
Well, I, I want to ask you a, a, a private question here. Uh, it seems that you're talking about the affair and there is uh, the uh, both of you before the affair and both of you after the affair. Do you mind talking about that moment where that happened and how has that changed any paradigm for you uh, moving forward and what you have you learned from that and how you adjusted uh, accordingly to that? And how you've grown from that. Would you mind talking about that? Happy to talk about it. It has been, um, at this point, I can say I am truly grateful. I don't know that we would even be together today if we hadn't had this breakdown. This breakdown, like a, like a wildfire swept through everything and everything. Like, I, you know, I had been like building up all these resentments. Like, maybe I don't want to be married to Joe. Da, 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 and I got to choose. I like really was standing there with like a wide open space in front of me. Like, what do you want? And, um, and you, and you re-upped your commitment. And like Joe made it very clear. Like, I want you, I want, this is this relationship with you is the one I want. And, um, and I, I was so shaken by it. Um, it's such a, it's such a mind fuck. Um, Cause I was like, wait, wait, what I thought was true is not true. And where, what's my intuition is off my radar, like my, the way I read the world is off. I had to kind of like reconstruct my own sense of reality and get right with that too, like have confidence in myself again. And, um, but I just, I followed my body and my body kept reaching to Joe, like at a time where my girlfriends were like, I'll come over and help you throw his shit out in the street. I'm like, actually, my body's telling me something else. And, um, and you had to like really walk through a lot of shame. Like I, I also was, you talked about community in the beginning, Tessa around, around um, tradition. Um, but I was like, I'm not doing this alone. And so I really called my community in and we called all of our community in. And so that meant that we, we were very open with everyone about what was going on. And um, so brave. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask, I mean, uh, Joe, did you come out and say, look, I have an affair or she discovered it? What, what happened exactly? I wish that were the case, but no, if she found it out and it was like a huge explosion in a relationship it even happened during a family vacation. Um, no, it was like, it was an insanely challenging period of time. Um, and, you know, I think like, I, you know, we, we, we look for these narratives in our lives. If like, that was the moment the, the before and after moments. And, but that really was, I mean, for us in our relationship, we rebuilt our relationship, I think individually as well. I mean, like I look back, one of the most profound things I got from that time is looking back and seeing how I was living this secret, this lie. And like what, what that does. How long were you living that secret? Um, it was a couple of years. A couple yeah. of years. And um, yeah, I look back at that time and like, you know, like how, what kind of person can you be if I have a secret, you know? Right. And I think now I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty radically honest today um, from that experience. And I feel like, you know, that just that alone is kind of life changing to feel like, okay, I am open to the world. There's nothing I'm hiding. I see me, see through me. It doesn't matter. That way of living is profoundly different than feeling like there's something I don't want the world to see. So that alone and, and to being this performance on the outside rather than the vulnerability that of the feminine spirit that we need more of that says 
right. I am open to, 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 to how we can grow and how we can grow together by, and I also want to put it into the idea of pleasure and aging because Jay, you've brought up some of the things that, and I know you do with this, this pleasure report. So I think it's a really interesting transition to talk about not the pleasure, not always being about sex, but look at these connecting moments that you've had through breakdown and through growth and through vulnerability that lets you gaze at each other or touch each other's foreheads with the third eye chakra gazed. It's so beautiful, like making this pleasure transition. We're not recommending that one have an affair uh, secretly for two years in order to reconnect with a spouse. But what I'm saying is you have uh, actually benefited from it, both of you, and came out better people on the other side. And that is uh, something that you need to be proud of, actually, mm-hmm. that you were able to, uh, and, it's, and it shows of true love between the two of you and how solid your relationship where they, 21 years, it was built on solid grounds rather than just, you know, fluff. So uh, where it's easy just to say, hey, you know what, come help me throw up his stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I salute you for that, for being able to do that. And, uh, you know, anything else for you, uh, Jay, that uh, came out of that uh, affair beside the growth that uh, he's mentioning? Well, I think to go to Tessa, you were kind of um, pointing in this direction. For me, it was like, so we had had at that time, our girls were, I don't know, four and five. Um, and I had really, uh, I had prior to that, I had my own production company. I was making art and I, I really went underwater as a mother um, and didn't know how to get the support that I needed. Mostly didn't, didn't um, know to really stand for myself in a, way that was unrelenting i know now i feel like self-care doesn't even quite cover it um because i feel like that's like oh you know go go get your spa manicure whatever but kind of digging into the your own self-love I like really dig me. really dig hard and who am i and what i i learned to set boundaries with my kids i set boundaries with you because i think there's some ways it was very advantageous for Joe to have a wife who was like totally hundred percent into the kids and da, 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 da. And um, so I had to like, I found myself and I just, and for me, I wrote my way out. I started writing down everything about the affair. I just wrote and wrote journals and journals and journals. And I started to like make a story of it. I'm like, well, what's, how do I make this story epic? How do I woo myself with my own narrative? And so I kind of started to turn myself on with like things that I would do to please myself, to be daring, to be me again, to be me as a creator in the world. And so it was, it was very much through creativity and pleasure and like a radical standing for myself. So beautiful. Victim to creator. Yeah. And how, and how did you witness that Joe? And how did that impact you? I mean, I think pretty clear, pretty early on, we both felt like we were recommitting. So that was the intention. That doesn't mean that it's not like, it's like a one-way street up. You know, it was like a roller coaster still for a while. And um, things still come up that are surrounding that time. This is like 12 years ago now. But I think 
you know, sort of related to what I think is the philosophy of relationship tripping. And I'm just kind of like actually realizing this right now as we're talking that what came out of that moment was what can we make out of what's really true? Not like, okay, we had this idea of what a relationship is. We had, this is what our marriage is. This is what the world thinks it is. Any of that, the kind of the bullshit of, of the pictures of it and what is really here and what do we want to make out of it? And I think that that's some of the spirit of relationship tripping too. Like, let's bring our real relationships into this group. Let's look at them like honestly, you know, um, um, empathetically, but like tr- you know, truthfully. And let's and let's accept that and 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 appreciate that, you know, rather than try to f- fit something, some other story onto our relationship. I would add to that. Um... Our, it ha- our ability to say the truth has gotten easier over time because we've said ter- like terrible things to each other. <laughs> and, and we've, you know, like held the relationship up as like, do you want this? I don't want this. I'm out of here. Like we've said the thing that I think is sometimes so hard to say. And and we have like a whole, like, we can look back and be like, oh, I've said that before. Oh, this is how I'm feeling. And it's just easier to be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't want to be married to you right now. And we can laugh about it um, because we've been there um, and we know we can create from that place. And you know that you're choosing and th- this is the essence of it. So, f- so for example, when you make these choices or when you deal with um, relationships for couples that whether they're monogamous or non-monogamous, I'd be curious how you help them navigate that in these, in, in the, in some of these programs that you're running in the labs. Well, the quick, I mean, um, we were talking about it before that Jay mentioned a couple of practices. I think that the, the basic overview of what we do, they're like different practices that we might introduce um, every week. So there might be a communication practice and intimacy practice, that sort of thing. And then we kind of like try it out and we talk about it, but just to talk about one aspect of it, which is, having a group where we are actually seen inside each other's relationships is something that we don't get very much of. I mean, I suppose it happens here with your, with your show, but there isn't, there aren't many opportunities in life to really get a peek inside someone else's relationship and then see what is universal, what is different, what we identify with. Also see that everyone has challenges in their relationship. Just that alone is really, is really important and comforting. So that's a, that's a part of it. It's just building a community where we can be as honest as possible and see what relationships are really like. And then from there say like, again, like the lab, the lab is a really good metaphor for what we're doing. I think, because it's like, this is a really amazing, special privilege to be in a relationship with someone. And what do we want to do? What should we do today? Like, you know, what's, what do we want to go to the playground in what way, you know, like what do we want to do with this today? So you call it a playground, and I imagine that, and we talk about sex very, very openly openly here. So I don't know if you want to talk about your own, but you can talk in general context if you'd like. But what are some of the exploring things that you've noticed have helped couples to connect more deeply in that playground, if we're talking about that? Playing the playground, the most important word I would say is play. So give us examples. No, just the spirit of play, like being a little silly, being a little bit like <laughs> taking things so damn seriously. Well, you talk about it all the time. Yeah, I talk about play as part of my teaching. Yeah. And the, the place we're in, he plays me music and I dance. I mean, that's like our play all the time. He finds new music, plays with music, I dance. 
He yeah. does a radio station kind of passion thing he does. And that's been our play. Keeps us connected. And sexually, that's not the same thing because we have a sexual being as we age that we don't want to ignore. And it has different components. So whether it's a kinky side that is more of a mirror side or whether it's more of a sensual tantra energetic exploration of being in nature, that's more what I enjoy. Like that's my plan. Sometimes we can't do that together because they don't come together. So Mm. I am curious specifically what you would say to us or to couples that are playful but don't always find the same connection of their play are we in session right now no we're not in session well you mentioned dance i mean dance is one of the most important things in our life um we we dance a lot and that for me it's so important to feel like you know to get out of my head and to be more in connect more in our bodies and our energy so that that right there is maybe like the fundamental in, in relationship tripping, we've um, well, like for example, the last session of the six weeks that we are together, couples um, each create something. They do their say vows or a manifesto or however they want to be witnessed. And the last round we were in, it was very like one couple did this mashup dance and just cracked themselves up and cracked us all up by doing their dance that was like raunchy and then flirty and sex. it had like everything it had like the rain it was kinky it was sensual it was um like childish so it, that was really playful then there's another couple that was really struggling all the way through the session like there's one session where she was like not even in the frame she's like i'm just not having this and they hadn't prepared their vows and then they like went away during the break and came back and she had a wedding veil and they had like cups and the dog and they did like a whole wedding reenactment and it's just like yeah go for it and um find a way to take any assignment and make it playful and i love the assignments and and i wonder if you've had couples who have been non-monogamous as as not i mean look there is a whole theory of the fact that monogamy and in general monogamy has served us in many ways in partnership well, and some people will need to be in monogamy and sometimes we can go in and out of monogamy and sometimes we can explore Monogamish. something mm-hmm. new and the idea of adventure so i am curious within this relationship tripping or within your lives how you frame that idea of ethical non-monogamy or monogamish <laughs> there, there are couples who are both in relationship tripping. It's, it's not like um, geared towards one or the other, I'd say, and it kind of fits whatever relationship style you might be in. So that, you know, I wouldn't say we address it explicitly. Um, more, it's like the the spirit of adventure, as we talked about. Like, you know, what can you do in your relationship to um, try different things, to to push some boundaries, maybe to expand what you think of as your relationship whether it's communication or sex or relating or just like how you live your life. There's also like um, we teach this amazing communication tool. Here's somebody maybe you should have on your show is um, Kenya Stevens, Kenya and Carl Stevens. They teach um, a practice called venting and it's a way to really bring your whole being together, your energetic being, your, your animal being, your emotions, your um, so you identify who's speaking. Is it your, ego or your animal body or your higher self. And there's this beautiful structure. So we, we've been like introducing this concept to the couples that we work with. And then we also do a lot of um, 
container setting again, the timer of share your fears, share your desires, which really creates space for people to have conversations that they haven't had before. And so, he, okay, on Wednesday night for two hours, you're going to have this container and here's an opportunity to say the thing or what's, you know, what's on your heart. And so whether you're in a monogamous or ethically non-monogamous relationship, it's all about like being able to say exactly what's true for you in that moment. And so creating the space for that to happen has been really important. Like one couple said in our last session, like witnessing her partner share something that was on his heart. She said, I didn't know you knew that about yourself. And I think that speaks to the community, like being held and witnessed in love and like real acceptance and here, and here, this is what we're here to do together. And, and during that session, everybody on the Zoom can hear the, the other couples, right? I mean, so they are totally open and honest with, you know, they're to- fully vulnerable and exposed. To the point that they want to be. There's times yeah. where people break out and do their own couple, their work right. privately, and then we come back and we share. Fantastic. What a valuable, So valuable beautiful. Session. Really beautiful. So two things we get back to is your pleasure report that I want to come back to. But while we're in this discussion of what I believe, for example, and we've also interviewed relationship anarchy, where it's not a primary relationship you're coming back to. But for example, with us, and even if we are an ethical non-monogamous relationship, we make each other a priority at times to make sure that we're doing some of that intentional Always. work at, or well, at different stages, sometimes more than others. So I do feel like that's such an important training for anyone in a relationship because you make the relationship a priority, even if it's the, you're only in this relationship for this amount of time, even if you're not committed to your whole life, even if you're not in what is called an open monogamy marriage of 32 years like us. um, So it's interesting to say that all the whole framework can fall into this idea of how we really dedicate this intentional, playful ritual time to each other and create new things out of, out of our vulnerability. I feel like it's tied the whole conversation together because we're talking about ritual. We're talking about play and we're talking about creating like I, I, really agree. And I think that's, again, part of the spirit of relationship tripping is like, what can you do in a day or in a week to just give your relationship some time to do something, something like something different or something special or something intimate or something, you know, turn your attention to each other in some way every day. That feels so important. So true. Thank you. So the pleasure report, did you want to talk about that at all? Jay, you don't have to sit on this report and we can edit this. No, I'd, out. Love to. I'd love to. I started it um, in 2020, started um, Pandemic product. the election. Uh, I'm election like, product. <laughs> I mean, that came out, like, another positive thing that came out of that election. Um, pleasure has been so important in my reclamation, in my healing and um, and I've, as a journalist for 30 years, I have really gravitated to um, women who are um, defying the rules. And, and, and I spent eight years traveling with these women boxers. And one thing I noticed about them is that they take their pleasure very seriously. 
And I'm like, oh, oh, what is that? What would that look like for me? And so women I, boxers. Why? Because they're like, I'm doing like they're they really don't care. I, I, there's some there's some way in which they're the rule breakers. They're like, they're already the bad girls. So it's not it's not that much of a stretch to be like, I'm and I'm also claiming my pleasure. Like I'm not I didn't get the I didn't get the memo that be I got a good girl <laughs> to be a good girl. Right. Yeah. So, so my time with them, like really expanded me. I'm like, oh, okay, let's play a little more in that space of um, defying the rules. And, um, and then I'm also, I do these like big multi-year projects. I'm like, well, what do I want to really investigate next? Like, what would my life be like if I made pleasure my next big investigation? Um, So I've approached it like a journalist. I've, um, and I'm looking at it from a cultural point of view, from scientific vantage points, like what, what is pleasure? And I still, I'm still curious. I'm still learning a lot about, well, what is this thing that does it separate us from animals or not? Does it even separate us from the trees or not? I don't even know. Um, But I know it is what makes us human. um, And it is what makes us alive. Like when I'm most alive, I am most in my pleasure. Um, And so it's helped me to even create time for us and to create time for sexual explorations. Cause I, it's, cause it's also like, I'm, I'm so purpose driven too. <laughs> it's like, I can always be like, Oh, a little more research. Let's go to the lab. Okay. So you have to just explore without knowing what the outcome is going to be. And that's the biggest part of the lab. Right. That's and, right. Not, and it's not always going to be well-timed. And it's not always going to fall into great timings. And, you know, timing is <laughs> right. We got to grab it when we can. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you feel like there's anything else? Do you have any last questions or do you guys have last things that you would like to convey at this stage of life to other open nesters? We're, we're just sort of about to, to you know, again, like we're, our, our kids are still with us just briefly for a little bit more. And I'm kind of curious what you would say for this next. So we're about to step into this new place. What would you say? Oh, sweet to have it turned around. Uh, we have so much to say, and it's on so many topics. A whole, a whole podcast. You, you, we should go listen to the back catalog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our whole podcast, we, we talk about it throughout different stages, and it's hard to summarize one thing. I just think what you've talked about a lot here is the, is the, adve- is the element of curiosity and let me see. And let me explore who I am more deeply and let me explore what we can be to each other more deeply. And let me not have a binary approach to what it is when our kids leave and when they come back and where they can do and give them a, a defined rules. It is about breaking rules. It is about saying we want to be at a stage where our kids feel like they have respect for us. And they even all know, for example, that we're ethically non-monogamous. So they'll ask because they don't want to walk in on something <laughs> <laughs> or if mom's with her boyfriend or something or, or where, where's dad? Oh, okay. You don't have to tell me that he went on a date. Like, you know, like they kind of know. And so it's, it's kind of cool that we can have that open communication with them. And that took, in one of our episodes, we talk a little bit about that. I came out to each of them individually with very sincere conversations. And, and it's about that trust. It's about showing up in our best, truest selves. And that changes all the time. So open nesting is just like any other living experience of being human. And we, we embrace it because of that, because we keep learning. We keep learning. We reach uh, this open nesting stage late in life, uh, in our 50s and 60s. 
and we are already set up with our own habits and our own routines. And basically, we are, do not really want to change that easily. And being in an open nesting stage is about change, is about being more open and being more curious. And for us, it was kind of like a, a very organic transition uh, from going from, um, from going with our nest with full of kids and then going into an open nesting. It was very organically, we transitioned to it. And for some people, it's very abrupt. And all of a sudden, they look at each other and says, I'm sorry, do I know you? Uh, now that the kids are gone, and then there is a whole uh, new era, a new chapter that begins. Uh, for us, it was organically. And for, for those people that it is not organic, uh, you need to really make a commitment back to each other. Are we going to stay together and we're going to do this period and we're going to look at each other eyes and we're going to do Wild Wednesdays? Are we going to uh, eye gazing? Uh, are we going to continue to do that? Uh, is this what we want to do uh, or we just want to go our separate ways? And some couples do go on separate ways. We know many couples that waited for the kids to leave the nest to separate or at, or at best uh, be together but live apart. Mm -hmm. So uh, what we suggest for somebody at the open nesting stage is just to stay open, be open-minded, uh, be curious, and be committed to the relationship that you have established for so many years that created this beautiful product that's called your children. And this is how we feel about it. Um, we don't think ourselves as expert. We don't need to be put on a pedestal and looked upon. But we feel that we have talked to enough couples through our episodes and through uh, experts. And Tessa has been doing a tremendous job as bringing some experts that talk about, uh, uh, you know, the last one that I was surprised and, you know, uh, end-of-life doula. Uh, I mean, wow, why, what a concept. I mean, let, let's talk about that. I mean, this is, you know, we closer than we ever been. So just stay open and curious, as you said, and, and stay playful. And if uh, you want to be with your spouse, the one that you have committed to many years ago, then make the best out of it because the best is yet to come. That's so that's the way i mean that's uh i mean you turn it around to us uh but we usually like to ask people what they would like to suggest to other people but you're not yet an open essay and i get that you just have uh you kind of look at it uh from the window and saying ah i'm coming wait yeah. for me it's, yeah. uh, i actually wanted to add something about the women's side of what you talked about too uh jay because I've slowed down in my sexuality and sensuality, and I love how I've slowed down. So embracing the slowing down for me and connecting more to Mother Nature, because this is a stage. It's interesting. I have a, We interviewed somebody on an episode called Evolutionary Spirituality who spent a lot of time in India, and he was talking about the three stages, which is the youth the raising family, and then the going to God stage. Mm -hmm. And the going to God stage is amazing. Yeah, so that was whatever kind of God, yeah, he didn't love that episode. It was a little too woo-woo for him. But the idea of us being able to be more at one with what is, is a, is a continuous journey. of. And so for me, having been in Mother Nature, I was just in Colombia for a retreat for nine days of calling in love with plant medicine and indigenous people. And I am slowing into who I'm meant to be. And that's 
as a woman, the acceptance of becoming an open nester because I feel good in my skin. And, and then I, and then he, he, he feels that radiant energy and he, he's still working no very hard and he has a different stage of life that I would say everyone's going to have different stages. So there's no right. prescription. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say. So each of us to try to work to be more embodied. And I, I'm hoping that he will find more of that embodied time and I can help him carve it out. It's not here yet. And, and aging and aching is not always easy, to be honest. But to tell you, to tell you both of you, uh, Joe and Jay, you are setting yourself up to a great chapter of your life uh, yeah. because uh, your commitment and your stability of your relationship is shining through. And we can see it right from here, uh, even though we're on Zoom. But, you know, uh, your words speak very deep to me and to Tessa. And I think that you're setting yourself up to a great chapter, a great time to come. And you have all the elements to make this thing work and uh, to be at the, uh, as you call it, at the edge of curiosity, right? Live at the edge of our curiosity. So I really feel what you're saying, Tessa, about this being the, I've never felt more spiritual. I've never felt more um, attentive, aware of the nuances of being out with the trees or being with somebody or just being with myself. It's really rich. It's so rich. And I, there's no way you can know it until you're here. And Mm -hmm. it requires a lot of ego work. To let it go. I'm still like, I, I can see, I'm like, you know, like letting go of identity. I go through that. I go through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you want to tell us how people can contact you and how they can uh, be part of that uh, relationship really? tripping or your next lab, how people can reach you? You can reach us at thepleasurereport.com um, where we have info about relationship tripping and also the pleasure report is there. Um, as well, my email is j at suej.com, S-U-E-J-A-Y-E.com. And um, we do these love labs that are introductions to what we do. So you can join us for one of those. Um, we do this every few months and we're starting our next session in a few weeks. So we will do these sessions ongoing. So there's a chance to jump in. We'll be happy to promote the next session. When is that? Well, it may not be on in, in time when a couple of weeks is... Probably we already scheduled September, September 14th. Is oh, September, September 14th. is already a month, yeah, more we, than a month. We, we can put on September 14th. Sure. And we will get it on there with a link. Wonderful. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's, and I know stay around be, for another second. Yeah, we're going to talk for a moment afterwards. So, so we, thank you for joining us on the Openness podcast. It was true pleasure to get to know you. And we wish you really all the best in Chapter 3. Act 3. Act 3. <laughs> Before we summarize this wonderful episode, I wanted to tell you about next week's episode where I interview this incredibly inspiring spiritual coach, but she's just led so many lives, I mean, literally through near-death experiences, NDE, but also in reinventing herself as such a powerful force in the world and coaching many top women out there. And her name is Esther Jones Alley. And you will hear such incredible spiritual wisdom next week. Well, Tessa, there have been very valuable lessons and antidotes that we can take from this particular podcast. 
I mean, one of them is rituals. I mean, we have not spoken about rituals over any of our episodes, and here we are for the first time, and it's ritual is such an important value for uh, our children to take away as they leave the nest. I agree, and, and the idea that they become people that, and, and we become people that we all want to be together as a family is over, and that they bring their newness and, and new people into that is what I loved about the, the discussion on how to bring back people into their into rituals and create new rituals. And it's not only the ritual. I mean, it's, it's the kids that come back uh, to the nest. And this is, uh, that's what open nest is, is to have the kids come in and out and uh, basically enjoy the same, the same beautiful rituals that the family used to have. And that's not the only thing. You're right. That's one of the among the, the many things that we got. Look, they have gone through quite a bit. Uh, going through a break uh, down of an affair is really can be devastated. Can, can most likely can separate a couple f- uh, forever, a divorce, etc. But no, they have uh, muscled through it, they work through it, and they emerge on the other side uh, stronger than ever. There are, and that is an example of the kind of people that can get through things and, and make their lives richer because they learn lessons the hard way. And I loved how they called in their community for support with so much transparency. To me, that was showing showing up with so much vulnerability and bravery. It's such a courageous thing to call in our communities. I think when we all learn to do that, we will have a better world. So that was really a big part of the takeaway for me on this. And and just the idea of partners choosing one another over and over again, like you and I discuss, right. and re-upping our commitments and how we show up. And, and you know, I, I really appreciate all the various exercises that they do in order to stay connected and stay together. And, you know, I, I we've, we've put a little edit for myself during the episode about uh, not being able to really show up for our Wild Wednesdays and the, and, and the, really the exercises that you have found for us, and I so appreciate that you did. And, you know, I, I've not been able to... Uh, show up for them, but that is really uh, waking me again and saying, hey, you know, uh, you know, get real. Let, let's just renew all that stuff. And I, I, and I thank them for that. Thank you. And it's hard sometimes. We go through waves and stages, and, and like you said before, I mean, the exhaustion sometimes when you're not sleeping from pain or other things is takes away, and that's also going through life and acceptance that we can re, you know, re-up our game by being reminded, by knowing that we're not perfect, that we're just human. And showing up in that vulnerability is also an important thing for us to be transparent with on this podcast. So I always appreciate those opportunities to be transparent. Well, that was an opportunity for me to be transparent and vulnerable at the same time. But that's not really uh, the crook of the matter here. What matter is that here is a couple that we can learn from that have taken a breakdown and turn it around and now have the exercises and the, uh, I guess, technology, if you can call it so, to stay together, reinforce their love, reinforce their relationship, 
And this is a lot to be learned from. And create community around it to boot. So yeah. you guys are doing such a great job. Thank you so much, Joe and Jay. We hope to be part of that growing community and to see you again soon, sometime Absolutely. soon. And meanwhile, we talked about on the section of Explore More about our website and our new page, which is uh, you can find under the Listen tab, where it lists very quickly as a quick reference all of our 81, 82, 83, I'm not sure what, how many episodes we had. So go there, visit theopennesters.com. That's double N in the middle, S at the end. Love to hear from you. Leave us a comment. And also, Tessa, tell them about our Facebook page. And also, we share on our Facebook page, uh, exactly. but share. We want, we want an ask and 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 love when you share, when you share the episode, when you share comments in our closed community, or if you even have a suggestion for a guest or somebody that you find really interesting that is doing something as an open nester or becoming an open nester. So all of that can be discussed, and we could hear you by email and just on a comment on our website so easily. And we thank you so much for doing all the things that created this podcast. Yeah, thank you for listening. That's very important. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making it such a relevant and important podcast for action. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. have been listening to the open nesters podcast a production of kiwi publishing and media executive producer tessa crone music by yoni avi patat audio engineering by lucid sound web design and blogs pj ewing this podcast is available on all podcast platforms to learn more about each episode and guest please visit us at theopennesters.com for questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.